welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives, presented by the Sex Effects. I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we just have a wonderful, uh, uh, exciting, um, adrenaline-fueled episode for you this evening. But before we get to, to all the adrenaline pumping, Jonathan, how are you doing, my friend? Good, man. Uh, good. Spent the weekend in the city just for a quick trip, uh, just seeing family and the girlfriend. Uh, but yeah, it was cool. I just got back today, so right I'm just uh, getting ready for the podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was fun and um, just got to hang out with family and uh, have that camera last time I saw my family. So, uh, But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and nice. excited to be back and just ready to podcast. Right on. By the way, the imaginary audience can see this. No, you just moved. You had uh, a perfect string of hair just coming and it was like right in front of your eye. You looked like... Uh, like Johnny Depp and Crybaby or fucking, you know, <laughs> Titanic era Leo. It was really kind of hot. But but yeah, I, I, slick I, it back and that's fine. Yeah, I, I was imagine that could be distracting. <laughs> well, I, I was driving all day and I didn't get a chance to take a shower yet. So I'm just like... Do you smell? Guts. I don't smell. I mean, I'm probably sweated a lot during this drive. I got like consistently warmer as I was driving. And, you know what to say? Uh, Getting yeah. closer to LA. It, does, it gets warmer than SF. I would never have... Uh, it was warm in the Bay, actually, this weekend. It and, was. Uh, it was very nice weather. I know. And I freaking missed you, Joe. Jeez, man. I should. We were like up. ships in the night. Motherfucker. <laughs> um, it's all good. I was there. Uh, it was Didi O'Connor's birthday. So happy birthday, Didi. Shout out to hey. her. It was a murder mystery themed dinner party. Ooh. Yeah. Murder mystery. So that was, that was fun. Um, so I did that Saturday and then uh, came home yesterday and... Um, Woke up this morning, we, the day off, Cesar Chavez Day, um, and I was going to pay my bills because I get paid on the first of the month, automatic deposit. Thankfully, I checked my bank account before I started doing my adult stuff because yeah. uh, my, I, never, I never got paid. Oh, what? Yeah. So I went to Wells Fargo this morning. They're like, yeah, we don't know. So, um, <laughs> so I'm broke right now, <laughs> like fucking real bad. <laughs> Um, as we record the show. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, uh, by the time the episode drops on Friday, I, I will actually have money in my account again. Uh, but as of right now, I'm talking to you from destitution to your imaginary <laughs> audience. Um, and that's where the real, the real happens. So, real. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, I've got Matt Marty back with me. Uh, he was with my parents for two weeks. So I got Marty. back. He's laying right next to me on the floor here. Um, so life is good, man. It's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we have some, so we, we have some things to kind of talk about real quick. Um, I saw Aquaman. Dude, you know, what's kind of funny. I rented it. Yeah. But fell asleep through it, man. (laughs) I didn't even get a chance to finish it. Was it, did you, why did you fall? Did you, were you not enjoying it? Is that why you fell asleep or? It was, it was a mixture of, I was pretty tired when I, I rented it pretty late at night. But also, I wasn't really digging the dialogue and the yeah, the dialogue's awful. Way it started and Nicole Kidman just like popping out of nowhere and like this, you know, like the whole origin story with his parents, like that was just not like working. And I don't know, it's just really weird. <laughs> See, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I went in with absolutely zero expectations. I was I was kind yeah. of expecting to feel about it the way I felt about like Suicide Squad or something like that. So yeah. with those expectations, it. Far exceeded it. And, you know, I thought the stuff with the mom, 
uh, and the dad was cheesy, but it, mm. it did attempt to at least give the film heart, which I appreciated. And it didn't feel yeah. like watching this, even as fucking CGI heavy as it is, um, it felt different um, and more cinematic than anything Marvel's done in years. Um, yeah. And I kind of could kind of see that in the back of my head and be like, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. I anticipated falling asleep during it, but I actually stayed awake for all of it. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the, you're right. The dialogue is super cheesy, but everyone says it with such like gusto. They're all so super serious about it that like, I appreciated that. You yeah. Know? Um, Amber Heard can't act, but, and, but Jason Momoa could act more than I thought I was going to have to give him credit for. He's yeah, more charming yeah. than I really thought he would be. Um, it felt like a nineties action movie and you know, where they never put too much thought into character or whatever. And there's a ton of character mythology, but it's also kind of dumb and like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, the yeah. fact that you, I don't know. I lost track of how many times Jason Momoa or any character for that matter turned around and looked over their shoulder and like winked at somebody or, you know, like <laughs> that happens every five seconds. And I was kind of loving that. Um, so I actually, I actually enjoyed Aquaman. I'll, I'll, I don't think it deserves a billion fucking dollars, but it was enjoyable yeah. for what it was with zero fucking expectations going in. Yeah. So. I'll definitely, I'll definitely check it out again. Cause I, I, I guess I can't fully say anything about it. Cause I did fall asleep by it and kind of fell behind on the rental. So after like re-rent it, of course, that sucks. Might as well um, just buy it at this point. Yeah. But as far as taking what you thought of the film, like I, yeah, I think, and as far as how much I've went through and, and probably, you know, maybe got to the first, like maybe the first half hour at least. So it was, you know, the, uh, most of the kind of character development with like William Defoe's character <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, that was also the f- it's funny seeing William Defoe on these freaking, uh, I forget what his first line is, but it's things. like something like henceforth or something. And he says it like, again, with such gusto that you're just like, William <laughs> Defoe is saying the most ridiculous shit right now, but he's selling it. Like he believes whatever the fuck he's talking about. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And I think that's how I can see the the film working as far as like that. Like it has to be convincing enough for, for the characters to say and to really play those parts. The CGI is really bad though. Yeah. And that's, I think maybe that's the one part that was taking me out of it a little bit, but um, yeah, I gotta get, I gotta give the film a little more, you know, I gotta give it a, a chance at least. And, and give it a go. I did, however, check out. Now we're going back to Captain Marvel, dude. Oh, I checked what'd out, you think? I had a chance to see it this weekend. Um, it was interesting. Like, uh, yeah, the nineties. Just 90s, say you didn't like it. I liked it. Don't it, come the, on. You the, just said it was interesting. That's I know what that means. I think. I guess in the same vein as how you're describing, like Aquaman. Like for the, I felt like yeah, they pushed a little too much on the nineties. Uh, nostalgia. None vibe, of it felt like authentic. Snap. It all felt like yeah, they picked that, it up out of fucking hot topic. It was like, yeah, nineties. What? No. Yeah. You know. That that was definitely the part that definitely like skewed me as far as like, oh, the enjoyment of this film. Um, some of it worked, some of it didn't. Um, and like, I know they they're trying to use those things obviously to keep you know the time kind of where they're at in time and and all that. Um, mm. I did I did like the I guess spoiler alert. I guess if we're talking Spoiler. about Captain Spoiler, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, um, I did like how the uh, the s- kind of secret invasion and like the um, uh, the Ben Mendelsohn's uh, character, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's yeah. character and the 
uh, I guess the Cree versus the scrolls. Uh, what do they call it? The scrolls. Yeah. Yes. And how they kind of switched that as far as like the scrolls were kind of the villains, and then of course it switches and it's of course uh, people are just looking for a haven as far as you know where to survive and they're pretty much missing their. Um, but I don't think that's. That, I think those are the good side of the scroll. You know, obviously yeah. there's good and bad. I once so, um, Ben Mendelsohn turns and reveals himself to be a good guy. He his character became infinitely more interesting, and he was the best part yeah. to watch for me. Um, yeah, because he has I, a track record, dude, of being a bad guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, and it, they kind of did the same thing um, that Batman Begins did with Liam Neeson. You know, Liam Neeson up to that point had yeah. only played like good guys and shit. So you thought as Descartes, okay, yeah, and then it turns out late in the movie, oh wait, no, he's fucking Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul you know, fuck what? Yeah. Um, same, same, but you know, flipped. Uh, yeah, and I did like how they tied the Tesseract as far as like the, uh, you know, it was I guess part of her power is is the energy from the Tesseract and how they were trying to harness that to create fuel, I guess, for the yeah. for the ship. So. It had a tie into that, but yeah, I don't know. It was enjoyable, but yeah, it wasn't too crazy. Like, I'm not like super stoked on like, you know, I mean, like I, I think, I hope this doesn't happen. I think we've talked about this before. I hope they just don't use Captain Marvel in Endgame as like the end game as far as like she yeah. is the cure all for all this. That'd be it has very to frustrating. Be, it has to be her working with the Avengers somehow and, uh, maybe her knowledge on maybe the Tesseract and maybe the power that she has and how that could help. Uh, and maybe, maybe using that power in a different way instead of like using it as a, as an attack or as a, you know, a form of a attacking yeah. or, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how she plays it. I just hope they don't use, you know, that hope doesn't go that direction and, and just saying like, she's the secret weapon and all this. And, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. That cat thing surprised me too. The, uh, I thought the cat uh, thing was so stupid. You know, I, I, I'm not a cat I just don't person, know, but I, I but I have <laughs> nothing against cats. You know, and everyone, I, everything I read on the internet is like, the cat stole the show. The fuck, cat was the best part. How? Like, <laughs> what? I don't know. It, that it just all that comedy, it was and I say that yeah. with quotations. You know, like it felt very. Forced. Like forced in there, yeah. Like, you know, there's there's that one scene where um, Sam Jackson and uh, Brie Larson, you know, she's flying the ship and they're talking, you know, again, in quotations, bantering back and forth. And she says something and fucking Jackson guffaws. Like he's laughing <laughs> so hard. And I go, wait, that laugh is totally out of proportion to whatever the fuck she just said. Like what she said was not funny. And he's laughing like... He's earning a fucking Academy Award with this performance. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> some of that shit was just so grating. Uh, much yeah, how yeah. my cynicism is grating for people who aren't <laughs> at least I'm self-aware, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. No, no, no. I agree. Like some of the the dialogue in it, and then the, yeah, they they kind of shoehorn a little bit of the jokes with like the, the cat and that kind of uh, alien species that it was. Um, yeah, the scruffy or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, Um, I did. Okay. Uh, did like at the top of the film, there was the Stanley beautiful tribute, beautiful tribute through the main title. And he got his, uh, the Stanley cameo cameoing as himself. Yes. Reading the mall rats. Reading the mall rats. That was so cool. So let's think about this, right? 
like this is some time travel shit, Shawnee. Like if Stanley oh, exists, or I guess interdimensional shit, Stanley exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he's reading a script from Mallrats, where in Mallrats he plays a fake version of Stan Lee. Oh, whoa. And um, who has created all of these characters, the Hulk. You know, they talk about the thing. They talk about uh, Mr. Fantastic, I believe. Um, so he's created all these things. It uh, It's just, it means all the Marvel characters were around in like a fictional form in the 90s. Oh, <laughs> because Tony Stark didn't come on the scene until 2008 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this movie takes place oh. in 95. Okay, yeah. It introduces, I mean, it's not supposed to be thought of this critically at all. But when you start to think about it critically, you're like, wait, fuck, this this implodes the universe. This completely yeah, fucking implodes the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But As far as those characters existing before any of those movie characters appeared, I guess, right? Yeah, well, and it's yeah. like you have the creator who's part of the world. He's like, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't and, know. It, it, was, it, yeah, it was a very interesting cameo, and I'm glad they gave us that at the top. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the mall rats dude, like as far as just, I know that's an, you know, of course, uh, a, a, you know, nineties movie staple. Um, but yeah, it was cool. to give us that kind of that moment where it's like, Oh shoot, this is like, you got to think about that movie and how he cameoed in that movie too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Would that, is that his first, like, I guess not in the Marvel universe, but, did did Stanley cameo in anything else? He had one cameo this, before right? Mallrats, and it was in the uh, like the trial of the Incredible Hulk, like a major yeah, TV, TV show. movie. Yeah, yeah. I remember we talked about it with our um, top five Stanley cameos. But I think um, after that, uh, it wasn't until Mallrats. So, well, I think Mallrats is. I think we'll count that as like his real, you know, first first one, like cameo as himself. Yeah, <laughs> fucking great cameo. Awesome. But yeah. uh, very, very good. I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad you found it interesting. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, interested for Endgame now. I think that's just what's on my mind now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see how that fucking shakes out, won't we? We're in yeah. We're in April now. It's happening this month. Yeah, close to the end of the month, too. Close to the end of the fucking month, man. Yeah, you. Yeah, son. Shawnee, shall we get to some lists, my friend? Let's do it, dude. Let's do it, man. Uh, would you like me to go first? Would you like to go first? Uh, you can go first, Joe. Okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> Shawnee, last week I asked you uh, what were your top five favorite directorial sophomore efforts, meaning the second uh, movie in a filmography. Tonight I ask you for your top five favorite directorial debuts, a director's first fucking movie. So oh, man. the floor is yours. So I got number five. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Yes. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, this was uh, came out in 1982. Uh, mockumentary or rockumentary style. Pretty much a movie about this rock band uh, in the, I guess, 80s? 80s, 70s, yeah. 80s. Um, and it spans, you know, part of their career, and that, that was really great about this kind of rockumentary. As it was a, it was a parody of a, of a, like a film crew falling. And actually, Rob Reiner, I think, cameos in the film as the as director, the, as the director of this uh, documentary. 
And uh, yeah, it's just so funny. There's just great moments, and the band is the music is just hilarious. Uh, and they, I think they're all actually musicians. The all the people who are acting in the film, um, and it's just funny, dude. I mean, just all these little moments where you would think of a band touring, all the little kind of things they get into, and you know the drama and all that stuff, and just the over exaggeration of what a rock star is. Yeah, and uh, Rob Reiner as as far as debut, I mean, this is you know quite a lot. I mean, he has a cast of uh, you know people in the band as as his cast, and he's trying to create this kind of meta. You know, it's it's a documentary instead of a documentary almost, and <laughs> and it's you know the I, I don't think this is really you don't see this a lot in film as far as you know almost making cracking jokes at, you know, what documentaries are about and, you know, how they kind of get into the real, uh, you know, lives of, of the, the rock stars or whoever else they're interviewing. And uh, it's great to kind of have a comment on that, that kind of genre um, of, of filmmaking. So, yeah, Rob Reiner. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Noise. Uh, noise. Uh, number four, I've got John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, yeah. uh, 1991. Um, man, I mean, this was, uh, of course, uh, a comment on, you know, gang violence, uh, black, you know, young black America, uh, the, you know, the, the youth as far as, uh, where they grow up and the kind of culture they're around. And of course, you know, the things that as far as influence them and can keep them there or, you know, of course, break out and, and find, you know, other opportunity elsewhere. So it was a very, um, very uh, in-depth on, on kind of that and just the, you know, of course, the, the youth of, of, you know, black America. And um, I don't know, as far as a film like that and getting kind of into, you know, there's a lot of, you know, life and death and, and um, you know, a lot of choices that the characters make. Cuba Gooding Jr., I mean, he plays such an amazing and gripping role in it and to be kind of stuck in the middle of that pathway of like, if I stay in this neighborhood, if I, if I, uh, grow up in this kind of culture of gang violence, you know, will I ever, you know, will will I die? Will I ever get out of this? Or, you know, will I other, will I find an, uh, the courage to, to find opportunity outside of this, this place that brings so much negative energy. So it was like a pretty heavy film for a debut, but to bring such real and truth about, um, that kind of, uh, counterculture um, is just uh, it's a it's a pretty big undertaking again um, for for someone for their first film to bring those kind of topics into light. So um, yeah, man, and I think uh, I think that's one of the first roles that I saw kind of Cuba Gooding Jr. in, and you know of course he uh, there's who else is in it? Lawrence Fishburne I think is in it too. You know I've never I seen places. Dude, oh man, yeah, very intense. Uh, <laughs> If you've seen Don't Be a Menace to Society... I haven't seen that either. Oh, man. Well, I mean, it's a parody on that, but, I mean, it's it's a fine line of, of, of pretty much gang violence and, and how it affects the youth and just what happens when you just stay there and stay in that that mentality. So, uh, pretty heavy film. Right so, on. yeah, number four, John, John Singleton, Boys in the Hood. Very uh, nice. I got num- number three, Quentin Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs. Noise. Um... Yeah, kind of an interesting film. You know, it talks about the these kind of events happening and these these different characters before this this heist that's going to happen, and um, just kind of showing what you know. Th- I mean, this is establishing Quentin Tarantino's 
feel for story and how he how he tells stories and of course the use of of violence and and blood and um, uh, of course uh, character dialogue and how you know each of these characters are kind of uh, interacting with each other um, it was definitely something that solidified his kind of style and the way he created films you know henceforward so um, yeah Reservoir Dogs right on and a great cast on that too yeah Steve Buscemi Tim Roth um, is it James uh, is it? Um, Madison uh, Harv, uh, Harvey Harvey oh, Harvey 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 Dent Harvey what, uh, what's his last name I'm not sure who you're, uh, who you're. Oh, Michael Madsen. Uh, That's who I was talking about. Tim Roth, Harvey Keitel. Oh, that Harvey yes. Harvey Keitel. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Have you, it's three. gonna be all right. Or what does he say when you know they're in the back <laughs> of the car? <laughs> it's yeah, it gets pretty intense. Being able to show like that kind of inte- you know as far as like a gunshot wound and the, the what happens and what the reactions that happen you know through those characters. You just don't see that on, on film and, and as much, and he kind of brought that kind of sense of like violence as far as a message and, and something he's trying to communicate. So, uh, yeah. Very Reservoir nice. Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. What Reservoir a debut. Dogs. Good damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, I've got one that uh, it's, it's a film I have seen. It's not my like favorite film, but I really love this director, and uh, I love... Uh, many of his films, but it's uh, Mel Brooks uh, for the producers. Nice. And uh, came out in 1967. And as far as Mel Brooks as a filmmaker and of course the producers, it, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a kind of stage kind of uh, ter- stage show kind of turned, you know, film. And um, it's definitely got a, um, you know, had his, all his, sense uh, all his kind of uh, characteristics as far as using humor and and storytelling and uh, all these kind of different things that were working for him and to to have the producers kind of solidify also him creating his other films after then and kind of his style of filmmaking uh, it he always kind of stands out as, as one of my favorite kind of directors and right you know he he definitely catapulted the kind of the genre of comedy and and uh, parroting you know, uh, rea- real types of events or, or stories. And uh, he always did it with such class, I always felt. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Mel Brooks. I like it. Uh, and the producers. Fantastic. And then my number one dude, I, did, I ha- didn't watch this until, when is it? I think I watched this, like, last year. For the first time, it's Jordan Peele's Get Out. Hell yeah. 2017. Uh, so good. Just... I think just going to this movie, not knowing anything about it. Um, and of course, you know, I'm going into it also saying, seeing, uh, Jordan Peele as a comedy writer and, and someone who is associated with the comedy genre. And he does so well in that, in that field, in that, in that type of genre. So having him take on kind of this psychological, like horror film in a, in a way it was, it was very different. And, and of course it, you know, it, it, touched on on many different things like racial you know the kind of topics of uh just racism and and you know where where it is now in in, in society and you know what are the kind of conceptions of it and just uh just like the human kind or the human nature as far as you know kind of the how we think and 
I don't know. It was really, really kind of an interesting movie and it, it was definitely not what I expected. And, and, and when it made that kind of switch near the second half of the film where it was kind of giving you that uh, sense of, you know, it took a turn a little bit as far as kind of the, you know, it, it was a little more grounded and then it kind of took this, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's not science fiction, but it definitely got, you know, as far as, uh, you know, it, it, as, as far as the, the characters taking, I, I guess going, it's no, I guess if it has, no one hasn't seen it yet. The, the part where the, uh, the slaves or the, the people who work for the, the families are actually members. They like, Incarnate. I don't know how to explain it, dude. It's it's so hard to. Um, yeah, yeah. They they do a, a good job of explaining it within the movie, but trying to explain it outside of the movie, I I struggle as well. It's yeah, it is definitely hard. If you haven't seen it, just go see it. Uh, get out. Get out. Jordan Peele. Very good. That is yes. uh, the only movie that we have crossed over. Um, cool. It okay. made number two, but I'm jumping ahead myself. But that's a very good list, Shawnee. Um, Rob Reiner, John Singleton, Quentin Tarantino, Mel Brooks, and Jordan Peele. Um, I kick off my number five with uh, Dan Gilroy's Nightcrawler, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. That was a <clears throat> debut? Oh, cool. Yeah, and that's kind of what I find. I had no idea that that was his first movie. Um, yeah. It's really fucking good. It's the only movie I would compare uh, to Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is such kind of a, a specific thing um, yeah. that when people say, oh, it's going to be like Taxi Driver, it's like, shut the fuck up because they have no <laughs> idea what they're talking Like, they're, they've been comparing this new Joker movie. It's going to be like Taxi Driver. It's going to be gritty like that. No. No, no. They, you, you, you just don't do gritty like that anymore. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. I'm getting, you know, this is the only movie that I would say captures the spirit and feel of Taxi Driver. It mixes it with uh, Network and it's the perfect combination. Um, it it feels, yeah, like like Paul Schrader and Sidney Lumet and fucking Billy Wilder. We're like, all right, let's fucking make a or you know write this thing in twenty sixteen or fifteen or whatever the fuck it was twenty fourteen. Um, yeah, it's a fucking great movie and fantastic performances all around. Um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. yeah. Number four, uh, Ted, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, wow. That's right. I, right. You know, oh, this man. shouldn't, this shouldn't make a list like Shawshank Redemption is, is a fucking directorial debut and it didn't make my list, but I'm, I've got Ted <laughs> on here. So I realize it shouldn't be on my list, but I've had a lot of fun with this movie, um, for years, you know, ever since I saw it in the theaters, I've, it's made me laugh. It's given me, uh, you know, a chuckle when I've needed it. So, um, it makes my list. All right. Um, and to, to balance out that, uh, Ted, number three, I'm going to go Citizen Kane, Orson Welles. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Orson Welles, uh, you know, you watch Citizen Kane, and it's 1941, I want to say. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing how modern it feels. And that's, you know, people call it the greatest movie of all time because it introduced so many techniques. I mean, and you think about Orson Welles' background. He was coming from fucking uh, the theater and radio. Um, oh, he had never okay, see, done yeah. anything in the movies before. So he was coming mm-hmm. in with a fucking fresh mind and a fresh way of looking at everything and yeah. not listening to people when they said, no, you don't do it that way. Why? Why not? You know? Um, yeah. 
there's an infamous story of, you know, he wanted the ceiling in the shot. And they're like, we don't, you've, we've never, it's unheard of. You don't do that. So they had to, you know, drill down into the ground of the studio to Whoa, get the camera okay. low enough to have the ceiling, you know, looking up and everything. Whoa, okay. um, he just, he was an innovator. Um, and it's yeah. all there in Citizen Kane. And, you know, I, I don't think Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all I've ever made, but it's fucking way up there. Um, yeah. So you gotta you gotta check it out. I gotta I have to check it out. Man. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Oh fuck, dude. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's required. Um, number two on my list, as I said, is Get Out, and I do think it is probably the greatest directorial debut. Um, and I'll explain in a second why it didn't make my number one. Um, but I think it's the most well written, well acted, well directed directorial debut of the bunch. Um, yeah. And it would be number one if it wasn't for Clerks. And the reason Ooh. Clerks is my number one is because it feels like a first movie. <laughs> it feels like someone's first fucking movie. And that's not a knock on Kevin Smith. This movie, because it has that feeling, um, like it's handmade by a group of friends for no fucking money, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like I could do that too. You know, it's like listening yeah. to the Ramones for the first time. And yeah, you know, they're not, you know, they're not writing songs on the level of the Beatles, but they're writing songs on a level that I feel that I could aspire towards. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, get to at some point. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the Clerks has always been such a huge kind of touchstone. Um, yeah. And just, just, I think because of that, it feels like your first fucking movie. So that's my number one, Kevin Smith, 1994. There we go, Clerks. 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 Yeah. All right, directorial debuts. I don't know what we're going to do next week, but we'll figure it out. Shawnee, do you have a list for yes. me, my friend? Uh, Joey, I was uh, on my drive to uh, back and forth from San Francisco. Uh, I was getting a little hyped on the road because... That drive sucks, man. So <laughs> I was uh, pumping up some hype songs. Yeah. Joey, what are your top five hype songs? So, um, yeah, these, I mean, this is just music with high energy to get you in the fucking zone to fucking deal with shit, right? That's all we're talking yes. about here. <laughs> um, well, number five. I'm going to go with Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm not I'm even fucking one. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good song, and it's got that beat that kind of gets your body going. You're just like, you know, you're ready to like run when you fucking hear that <laughs> song. And that's going to be a, a reoccurring theme on my list is like, I just want to move. I want to run, you know. Um, shake it off, number five. Number four. <laughs> number four, I'm going to say um, Criminal by Eminem. Ooh. Um, last song off uh, Marshall Mathers LP. It's fucking Eminem, wild right? ass song, um, but it's it's it gets me in a f- I you know fuck you fuck me fuck you kind of mood you know, um, and I appreciate that. I I always need that. Um, number three, I'm gonna go view from the afternoon. Opening Ooh, track okay. of uh, whatever people say, and that's what I'm not. Arctic Monkeys. Okay. Just All that. Right. You know, it's just, you're, you're just, yeah. these songs, you know, they start and you're already, you know, it doesn't take them a second to get going. It's bam, and we're off and running. You know, it's fucking beautiful. Um, 
So yeah, View from the Afternoon. Number two, I'm going to go Damn It uh, by Blank. Yes. Especially for sentimental reasons. Um, you know, we would we played in a band for, gosh, over a decade, and we'd always uh, end our sets with Damn It. And, uh, you know, the, the opening riff is just fun, but you know what's coming. And then to hear... Simon, you know, and come in like, and then, yeah, and everyone come in at the same time. And the song doesn't, it, it never slows down once it starts like that. Um, yeah. And it was just, you know, I, I hear that song and I want to jump up and down in my car. Like that is what is going on for me. So yeah. Number two, damn it. And, uh, number one, um, whenever I roll into the bay, <laughs> after go. I pass the, uh, you know the uh, veterans cemetery. I th- I throw on a still dre. Oh man, nice. Yeah, nice. Bless that dude. You know whatever that beat is, man. It's so fucking. I'm still fucking with you. You know, yeah, like uh, still rising on date. Um, fucking, it's so great. It's Snoop Dogg and dre, man. It's fucking wonderful. Hell yeah, man. Guess who's back? Um, yeah, I did. there's a there's a lot of good hype songs, man. And yeah. you know, actually, we kind of had some kind of crossovers. I guess Fantastic. same same artists. Okay, I'm I'm very excited to hear yours. I'm excited to hear a legit hype list. Okay, here we go, man. Here I've got go. number five, Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones. Yes, I guess the I get also I feel like the the a, a connection with our band playing that song I always felt like that was such a fun cover to play and it was so high energy. And I just felt like it always, it was so, uh, it was so interactive too. Like, you know, seeing, Hey, ho, let's go. And, uh, I don't know. I guess I get that feeling too. Kind of like when you're driving, you're just, I don't know. It's just really like, just really high energy. That's what the Ramones were about. And it's one song that I love from them. So Hell yeah. it's Greek pop. I love it. Uh, number four, I've got a blink song, but it's not damn it. I got Josie. Ah, that, I, that almost was on mine. But not because on mine. Kind of similar to Damn It, though. It's it's the the main like kind of beginning riff and how it starts off and the Da-da-da. drums are just going and Da-da-da. and then there's like that final build up and then it gets right into the verse and it's just such a fun song and the like chorus and I know that everything, know that everything, know that everything, know that everything, everything is gonna be. I know that everything. Yeah, it's so good. That's so. And of course, the music video is awesome. We've talked about the music we video. We have. Alyssa Milano, too. if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> so, uh, number four, uh, Josie. Josie, I like it. Um, I, for my number three, I got a, a Dr. Dre Tupac joint. It's uh, California Love, dude. Got to give it up for California. California, You should. <laughs> um, I guess for the same reason, it's still Dre, too, man. It's just like, just that pump up feeling. And. It's it's like a love note in a way to, to California and just kind of gives you that kind of gives you that like that pride you know that pride to be here man and like I don't know man I just freaking love you know that song and and the like the as far as the beat and how I mean for that time you know as as far as the production it was it was so ahead of its time and you know they had that the kind of I think it was like a talk box sound they have all these different things happening in the song. And, and the music video was pretty wild too. It was like a Mad Max kind of cover or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was just one of the songs I always love. And of course, when you when you play that in like a, you know, if you're in California and you play that at like a club or something, people are gonna go fucking crazy. 
Anyways, I don't go clubbing. I was going to say, and Sean should know. Sean should know about the club. I mean, even 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 at a concert or venue, if they Popping start playing bottles. that song, like the the yeah you know, the pre you know the pre concert or whatever, uh, people are going off. So uh, yeah, California Love number three. I love it. Um, let's see here, number two. I got clamped down by the Clash. Yes, that did cross my mind. Uh, one because it's it's got the. Oh, man, I, just the, the the guitars and how it counts off and yeah, and then the and then it just becomes this kind of I don't know how to explain it like oh, you know, it's almost like a yeah it's it's got this kind of hypnotizing start yeah. yeah and he's like whispering things and, and yeah it's just all sorts of crazy at the beginning and then it becomes this like almost like a march like a, yes. not a march but it, it has this kind of yeah that steady back beat that's like it's you're going somewhere. You know, it's yeah. It's definitely March. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, it's one of my favorite Clash songs. It is really good, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's my number two, Very and nice. then for my number one, uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, dude, another Arctic Monkeys, Brian Storm. Yes. Yes, uh, Shawnee. An amazing start to that record, Favorite Worst Nightmare. Uh, but, of course, you know, a song that just starts high energy at, from the very beginning and is, I don't know, it's just, it's one of my favorite Arctic Monkey song. And it kind of technical. I feel like that song, it's it's so fast. And, you know, when they play it live, too, it's it's even faster. So, yeah. Um, yeah. One of my favorite Arctic Monkeys uh, songs. So, yeah, that's my that's my number one. Dude, very nice list. Very nice list. I like it. And I feel like I... Yes, yeah. I don't usually think about songs like that. Like, oh, does it pump me up or something like that? So it's kind of nice to be like, all right, well, what, what does it for me, you know? Um, yeah, man. I like how we had some, some Dre on there, though, man. We did, because <laughs> we know what's up, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, very good. Um, and not, we, you know, neither of us chose I Need a Doctor, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So uh, <laughs> on the show, we like to do a weekly segment. Um, we've kind of broken them down into seasons. The first season uh, was movies from the year of our birth. The second season was Beatles records, and we're here at the final installment of uh, the third season with the Ramones. Um, we've gone through their entire discography. Shall we? Shall we give it a, a try? I need to atone for yeah, my always, sins from last week. You always kill it, man. So <laughs> we went from uh, Ramones. Leave Home, Rocket to Russia, Road to Ruin, End of the Century, Pleasant Dreams, Subterranean Jungle, Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, Halfway to Sanity, Brain Drain, Mondo Pizarro, Acid Eaters, and Adios fucking Amigos. All right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then we listened to Loco Live, which was a live album from 1991. It was fucking painful um, and exhausting. Um... But this week, we listened to the Ramones' 1979 live album, It's Alive. Um, It's Alive. This is one of my all-time favorite records. Um, And, you know, the Ramones, unfortunately, started out, they should have been one of the biggest fucking bands, you know, and it just didn't happen for them. And uh, they declined. And the music kind of started to decline with certain, you know, with pops of flashes of like what they used to be popping up here and there. Um, yeah. 
But we had to go back and we had to, you know, end on a note of what the Ramones actually stood for and why we love them. And um, I think this record has it all. Like, um, it's not even an hour long. And there's 27 songs on here, something like that. But I think in comparison to Loco Live, it never once felt exhausting. I never once felt cringe, yeah. cringing or bad for Joey because he couldn't sing the goddamn song. You know, um, <laughs> this is the Ramones at the peak of their fucking power and yeah. still enjoying what they do. You know, um, uh, that's that's my piece on it. Shine, what, what did you think of this album? I like that comparison. Local Live was like, it felt like it was slowly kind of losing its energy. And this was like, I feel like Ramones at its prime in this, you know, in this live set and like hearing all these songs, every single song, you know, the same amount of energy, the same amount of, of feel as far as, as how much they're putting into that set and how much they're performing. And it, it's Ramones. And, and it's as far as uh, hearing them at this point of their career too, and, and all the songs they have and, uh, that list of songs is just incredible. And, and it's funny when you hear, I hate to compare local live, but when you hear some of the songs that they did on this record versus their, you know, local live, you know, they're, they're definitely night and day as yeah. far as, you know, it's alive has such a, you know, and of course, you know, this is what we had Dee, Dee uh performing with them and, uh, or was Dee, Dee on, I'm trying to remember, not local live. Oh he wasn't no, on. CJ. CJ. Right. Yeah. So that, that was a little difference too. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like this is like a good, just a good capturing of what the Ramones sounded like. Yeah. And, you know, we got that in their, in their obviously the records preceding the, this, this uh, live record. But, you know, that's, that's what it was all about, too, is, 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 is witnessing and listening to the Ramones there live in the, at, the, you know, at the venue or, you know, where, where you're seeing them. And, you know, of course, we didn't get a chance to ourselves see them live. We don't have that chance. So... <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to That's find the uh, the year the album came out because I don't think it's seventy nine, and I accidentally played oh. I accidentally played some music from uh from my <laughs> fucking iPhone there. I, I apologize. It's okay. I'm, I was it's listening to you. It was very interesting. Um, it's all good. And yeah, god damn it. Um, but yeah, it was it was really hard to to choose five on this list. It was. So I don't know. I I guess I'll start with. Uh, for me, my number five was actually the last track on the record. Was Ooh. "We Are a Happy Family." Yes, and I think for the point also that this is the last song of the set, and they're still providing us with the same energy, the same you know the the feel as as far as you know this is the Ramones firing on all fours, and I I don't know I, I do like that song too as well, and um, it's I don't know maybe because I chose it because of that. It's just like this is the last song, and they still are hitting they're it still really going, hard. Yeah. And they're still keeping me in, in, in you know, intrigued by their set. Um, and it's so actually a really five. nice one to end on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, you would think it would be Pinhead. But, the, you know, the, the We're a Happy Family, I, I, I really like that that was the last one. Yeah. Um, so, number five, We Are a Happy Family. Right on. Uh, for number four, I've got Pinhead. Uh, I think I chose that one because it's, it's a... It's a Ramon's favorite of mine, I guess. And uh, just to hear it at this point, and I think I chose it on my local live uh, list. I believe I did. 
Um, but I, you know, I like this version better. It was tighter. It was, uh, you know, of course the, the way they interacted with the crowd and the, just the Ramones again, going, f- you know, a hundred percent full, you know, steam ahead. Um, yeah. And then of course the song that, you know, I always associate with the Ramones is, is pinhead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Number four pinhead. Right on. Uh, let's see here. Number three, gimme, gimme shock treatment. Yes. Uh, another kind of driving one, and uh, I'm trying to remember where they played this in the set. I feel like oh, it was kind of in the middle. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Let's see if I can uh, look it up without making a fucking yeah. sound. Jesus. I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, it's uh, like... Oh, it's six. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's like kind of the first part. Yeah, first... First third. Third, yeah, third of the film, uh, third of the, uh, the record, and... Uh, I guess maybe that's what it is. It's it's again a high energy song. Um, it, it it again just shows you like how you know how tight the Ramones are and just the sound that they're creating, and and of course I just feel like everyone you could even feel the the audience in that in that moment with Gimme Shock Treatment and um, yeah it's just one of my uh, again another favorite song of mine and hearing it live at this kind of peak of the Ramones. You know, you know their their lineup and and the the way they sound. Um, it's really cool to hear. So, yeah, yeah, number three. I like it. And then, man, freaking love. I already mentioned this on my hop up songs. Blitzkrieg Bop for number two. Right on. Uh, I do like the live version. It's it's kind of funny how Joey's just like singing. It's almost like a little bit faster. <laughs> like he's just trying to keep up with the words. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and that's but, one yeah, thing I appreciate it, about this record. Like the songs were played faster than they were on the studio versions, but not yeah. at the ludicrous speed of Loco Live. Yeah, and it wasn't like like lazy, I guess, as far as like they he was trying to hit every you know word and and sing everything, not drop out or yeah, you know uh, that usually tends to happen. You know, like especially with like local live, I feel like there are parts where it's just like yeah, just leave it to the crowd to sing or you know, kind of this part to fill in. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, you know, trying to give it all his effort. So, um, Bloodscreep Bop for number two. Right on. And then number one, Sheena is a punk rocker. Yo. Uh, one of my favorite Ramon songs. And to hear it live and just to just hear it in that moment, uh, it, it's really, really cool to hear that. And um, I don't know. It's, it's a fun song. And it's, you know, very, you know, it's melodic in, in, in ways. And just hearing Joey Ramon sing and, and just kind of, you know, there's some songs on the record where it's, you know, it's definitely a little more uh, aggressive and angsty and, you know, more kind of uh, growly than singing. So it's cool to have, like, you know, a song that really showcases Joy Ramone and, of course, the Ramone sound. Um, and I, I, I do like their kind of the tend to go, the, the melodic kind of, you know, more... Uh, you know, kind of not doo-oppy, but uh, I don't know. It's yeah. I always feel, I like that kind of sound for for the like for what Ramones, you know, plays. So yeah, I like Sheena's it. That's a very wrong. good list, Shawnee. Very good list. Um, Thank you. We tied, mm. or you know, we had the same number one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it out because okay. um, it was it's uh, yeah it was a fucking great great performance of that song. Um, but why not be able to talk about more Ramones songs from this record? Um, Number five, I'm going to go Let's Dance. Ooh, okay. You know, it was late in the set, and duh, duh, do you want to dance? And it's, or, uh, or Let's Dance, let's, that's different, uh, slightly different. Anyway, 
uh, it picks the energy back up. It's it's kind of that song that propels them into the final stretch of the show. You know, it yeah, kind of they, yeah. they're able to kind of bring that energy late in the game and then sustain it. And I found that really yeah. cool. Um, number four, Havana Affair. Havana Affair. Um, it's such yes. a classic classic you know ramon song and they they've got the and it's like you know that's one album before we get pinhead it's like it's just a crazy kind of they'll use those same tricks or or explore them deeper you know it's it's pretty cool yeah um number three chainsaw oh yeah that's right they did have chainsaw i love there. chainsaw that's such a great song yeah. um I'm trying to remember. Did they have the chainsaw sound no. at the top of it too? No. <laughs> but they still the uh 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 the wow 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 wow. Um, number two, you're gonna kill that girl. Oh man, it's a cool song in that like you know it starts out very fifties you know f- full chord. Wah, I saw walking down the street. Wah wah. wah. You know, um, <laughs> and then it goes into the. Hey, he's gonna kill that girl. Hey, he's gonna, you know, and, it's, and then it, and then in the middle of the song, it goes back to the slow guitar, and yeah. then it ends fast. And I was thinking about it, listening to it this time. Like, it, I feel like the conventional way to structure that would have been to bookend it with the slow parts. You know what I mean? And I like that they oh, see, ended yeah. the song in the fast part. I don't know. In the fast bit, yeah. <laughs> Think about it too deeply. Um, number one, Cretan Hop. Ooh, Green Hop is yeah, such you know a what? like. It's a good song too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fuck. It that, fuck that would have that should have made my hype up song, but yeah. Ooh, it's very good. It's quite good. I like that dude. Yeah, I love this record, man. It's such I, a good record. I, I'm happy we ended on this as far as our list because. I feel like this this record especially is a good way to remember the Ramones and yeah. you know capturing that live sound and you know of course it's you know obviously a good selection of songs for this for this live album um, yeah just super stoked for I was I was happy we went on this Ramones journey because we did discover a couple records that you know really surprised us in the end yeah. too as well it's true um, I've you know always loved the Ramones but have never gone this deep and uh now i can really fucking you know know what i'm talking about going forward which is nice (laughs) um so that 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 ends this season of uh our weekly segment fuck we're gonna have to rewatch uh end of the century the story of the ramones and talk about it Ooh, that's actually a good a good episode but uh, our next weekly segment will begin when uh, Game of Thrones begins, and we'll just do like a weekly recap. Um, maybe come up with some lists while we're talking about it. I don't know. We'll hey, we'll figure not? it out. Um, it's the last season. Yeah, and then after that, we'll return to music and we'll talk about uh, the Clash. I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for that too. I'm really pumped. Um, but yeah, man, good stuff. <laughs> Shawnee, you got yeah. anything you'd like to share with our uh, dear, dear imaginary audience this week? Oh, man. Nothing too crazy this week. I, I just, man, I'm just trying to, uh, just getting back from the Bay, just uh, just kind of recouping. But the yay. I'm excited for the week. And uh, yeah, 
I'm actually now excited to, uh, I mean, I've been binging like Game of Thrones like crazy, so I'm, I'm excited to continue doing that. Where are you at? Uh, I'm on, I think I'm the end of five. Oh shit, it's about to get real good. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's it I try to do this every I guess every year. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely fitting right for the for the last city uh last season so I'm trying to kind of work my way up to there before it airs. Uh the funny thing is my dad was watching Game of Thrones this weekend. <laughs> and uh I think uh I think I have a couple first timer Game of Thrones watchers too, just people here and uh man, yeah, it's it's crazy how it's just it's even with this last season coming around, it's it's it, the reach of the show and and how it's uh, you know it's it's the top you know a lot of people talk about or it's the it's the main topic right you know a lot of people are talking about it and 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 I'm excited to see where it leads and you know rewatching it also it's kind of fun too because you catch little things that you know with you knowing what happens you kind of see the little seeds that were planted in the beginning. Hell yeah. Um. So yeah, and uh, just funny how like some of these how it all kind of led up to where it's at now so yeah i guess uh game of thrones on my mind is, is that's what, what's up right there so <laughs> fantastic fan yeah dude fucking tastic um right um, on jo- J- joe do you have anything to share this week um yeah yesterday was uh batman's 80th birthday march 31st <laughs> um so he you know debuted in 1939 um And DC Comics, I don't think I talked about it last week, um, put out uh, Detective Comics number 1000. So Batman appeared in number 27. um, But he's been in Detective Comics for 80 years now. Um, Wow. And they've hit 1,000 issues. And for their 1,000th issue, they had a a number of writers and artists um, do little eight-page stories for like a 96-page spectacular kind of thing. and I have to say my favorite story in that was um, Kevin Smith, actually. Um, he was he would not it should be a surprise to hear his name in association with a Batman story being good. Um, he has done some things fans have not been very happy about with, with the character. I'm kind of indifferent, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the fact is he teamed with Jim Lee, which is like, wait, what? You got fucking you know, you're thinking about Kevin Smith and his style and Jim Lee and his style. And, you know, it's, it's like if fucking Robbie Richardson shot clerks, you know, you're like, wait, what the fuck? That doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. So fucking, uh, it's a beautiful story. I I can't remember the name of it. Manufacturer for sale or something like that. Um, and basically Batman is going to this pawn shop as matches Malone, his street alter ego, um, oh, okay. And this pawn shop has stuff from all like the super criminals and things like that. And he's in there buying the gun that fucking killed his parents. Oh, whoa. So he gets back to the Batcave, spoilers, folks. And uh, Alfred is like, this is fucking dark, even for you. And he goes, <sighs> uh, no, Alfred, you don't understand. And he's fucking forging it. Like he's got it in liquid, you know, law or, you know, he's melting it down essentially and creating the breastplate armor. And he's like the, the, the gun that fucking broke my heart as a child is now going to be the metal that protects my heart as a man. And it's like, it's such a fucking, 
great, and it's so Kevin Smith. Like that's I can hear him, his voice yeah. just being like, "This is what it's," you know. Um, I was so stoked reading it. It was fucking touching. It's emotional. It's it's beautiful storytelling. So uh, check mm-hmm. out cool. Detective Number One Thousand. There's like hundreds of fucking variant covers. I got the Bruce Tim cover. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, there you go. Cool. There you go. Hey. Um, yeah. Shawnee, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, my friend? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Music and on my website, shondaymusic.net. Net. Dead net. Dead net. Uh, <laughs> Joe, where can we find some of your work, dude? You can check me out at Joey Prodi on Instagram and Twitter and on my website, joeyprodiscripts.com. You can check out the show at Top5Pod, that's T-O-P-F-I-V-E-5-P-O-D, on Instagram at Twitter at gmail.com, and on Facebook at Top5Podcast. We are also on SoundCloud, Apple Music, Google Play, and I think that's it for the moment. So please, give us a like, give us a listen, give us a follow, give us your love, and we will give you ours in many different ways. Until next time, I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks. Thanks.